are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights into today's readings. Also, if you would like to support the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast by leaving a tip, you can do so through Venmo at the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 305, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 13, Paragraphs 232 to 239. 232. The Most Blessed Queen was present at all these events, and the workings of the divine power in the apostles and in herself were very clear to her. For on this occasion she experienced more of the divine influences than all of them together. As she was exalted supereminently above all creatures, so the increase of her gifts was in like proportion, transcending immeasurably those of others. The Most High renewed in the purest spirit of his mother the infused knowledge concerning all creatures and especially concerning the kingdoms and nations assigned to the apostles. She knew all that each one knew, and more than they all together because she received a personal and individual knowledge of each person to whom the faith of Christ was to be preached, and she was made relatively just, as familiar with all the earth and its inhabitants as she was with her oratory and all those who entered therein. 2.33 As I have said above, and shall often repeat farther on, the knowledge of Mary was the knowledge of a supreme mistress, mother, governess, and sovereign of the church, which the Almighty had placed in her hands. She was to take care of all from the highest to the lowest of the saints, and also of the sinners as the children of Eve. As no one was to receive any blessing or favor from the hands of her son except through that of his mother, it was necessary that the most faithful dispensatrix of grace should know all of her family, whom she was to guard as a mother, and such a mother. The great lady, therefore, had not only infused the images and knowledge of all this, but she actually experienced it accordingly as the disciples and apostles proceeded in their work of preaching. Before her lay open all their labors and dangers, and the attacks of the demons against them, the petitions and prayers of these and of all the faithful, so that she might be able to support them with her own, or aid them through her angels or by herself in person. For in all these different ways did she render her assistance, as we shall see in many events yet to be described. 234. I wish merely to state here that besides the knowledge derived by our own queen from infused images, 
She had also in God himself another knowledge of things through her abstractive vision, by which she continually saw the divinity. But there was a difference between these two different kinds of knowledge, since when she saw in God the labors of the apostles and of all the faithful of the church, enjoying at the same time through this vision a certain participation of the eternal beatitude, sorrow, and compassion, which filled her when perceiving these tribulations among themselves through images. In this latter kind of vision she felt and bewailed them with maternal compassion, in order that this merit not be wanting in her. The Lord conferred the second kind of knowledge upon her for all the time of her pilgrimage here below. Joined with this plentitude of infused species and knowledge, she held also absolute command of her faculties, as I said above, so that she admitted no images or ideas except those that were absolutely necessary for sustaining life, or for some work of charity or perfection, with this adornment and beauty which was patent to the angels and saints, the heavenly lady was an object of admiration, inducing them to praise and glorify the Most High for the worthy exercise of all his attributes in Mary, his most holy instrument. 2.35 On this occasion she offered a most profound prayer for the perseverance and courage of the apostles in their preaching throughout the world, and the Lord promised her that he would guard and assist them to manifest the glory of his name, and that he would at the end worthily reward them for their labors and merits. By this promise, Most Holy Mary was filled with grateful jubilee, and she exhorted the apostles to give themselves up to this work with all their heart, to set out joyfully and confidently for the conversion of the world, speaking to them many other words of sweetness and life. She congratulated them on her knees in the name of her divine Son for the obedience they had shown, and in her own name she thanked them for the zeal they had manifested for the honor of the Lord and for the blessings they had brought to souls by their sacrifice. She kissed the hands of each of the apostles, offering her prayers and her services, and asking them for their blessing, which they as priests of God gave her. 2.36 A few days after the partition of the earth among the apostles, they began to leave Jerusalem, especially those that were allotted the provinces of Palestine, and first among them was St. James the Greater. Others stayed longer in Jerusalem because the Lord wished the faith to be preached there more abundantly and the Jews to be called before all others if they chose to come and accept the invitation of the marriage feast of the gospel. From the blessing of the redemption, this people, although more ungrateful than the heathens, was especially favored. Afterwards, all the apostles gradually departed for the regions assigned to them, according as time and season demanded, and as obedience to the divine spirit, the counsel of the Most Holy Mary and the order of St. Peter dictated. But before leaving Jerusalem, each one visited the holy places, such as the Garden, Calvary, the Holy Sepulchre, the Place of the Ascension, Bethany, and the other memorable spots as far as possible. All of them showed their veneration, moved even to tears, and regarding with loving wonder the very earth which the Savior had touched. Then they visited the cenacle, reverencing the spot where so many mysteries had taken place. There again, commending themselves to her protection, they took leave of the great Queen of Heaven. The Blessed Mother dismissed them with words full of sweetness and divine virtue. 2.37 But admirable was the solicitude and care of the most prudent lady, in showing herself as the true mother of the apostles at their departure. For each of the twelve she made a woven tunic similar to that of Christ our Savior, of a color between brown and ash gray, and in order to weave these garments she called to aid her holy angels. 
She furnished each of the apostles garments of the same kind and like to what formerly worn by their master Jesus. For she wished that they should imitate him even in their garments and thereby be known exteriorly as his disciples. The great lady procured also twelve crosses of the height and size of each of the apostles and gave one to each so that as a witness of their doctrine and for their consolation, they might carry it along in their wanderings and their preaching. Each of the apostles preserved and carried this cross with them to his death, and as they were so loud in praise of the cross, some of the tyrants made use of this very instrument to torment them happily to death. 2.38 Moreover, the devout mother furnished each one of them with a small metal case in which she placed three of the thorns from the crown of her divine son some pieces of the cloths in which she had wrapped the infant Savior, and of the linen with which she had wiped and caught the most precious blood of the circumcision and passion of the Lord. All these sacred pledges she preserved with the greatest care and veneration, as the mother and the treasure-keeper of heaven. In order to consign them to the apostles, she called them together, and with the majesty of a queen and the tenderness of a mother— she told them that these remembrances with which she would enrich them on their departure were the greatest treasures in her possession, and in them they would carry with them vivid remembrances of her divine Son, and the certain assurances that the Lord loved them as his children and as ministers of the Most High. Then she handed them those relics, which they received with tears of consolation and joy. They thanked the great queen for these favors and prostrated themselves in adoration of the sacred relics. Embracing, they bade farewell to each other. St. James being the first to depart and commence his mission. 2.39 I was given to understand that the apostles preached not only in the countries assigned to them by the St. Peter, but in many other neighboring and more remote regions. This is not difficult to understand because many times they were carried from one country to another by the angels, not only in order to preach, but in order to consult with each other, especially with the vicar of Christ St. Peter and still much more frequently were they brought in the presence of their queen, whose sympathy and counsel they needed in the arduous enterprise of planting the faith in so many different and barbarous nations. If in order to bring nourishment to Daniel, the angel took Habakkuk to Babylon, Daniel 14.35, it is nothing strange that such miracles should be performed for the apostles, nor that they might preach Christ, make known the divinity, and plant the universal church for the salvation of the human race. Above, I have made mention of the angel who carried Philip, one of the seventy-two disciples, from the road of Gaza to Azotus, as related by St. Luke, Acts 8.40. All these miracles and innumerable others unknown to us were necessary to these men, who were to be sent to so many kingdoms, provinces, and peoples yet in possession of the devil, full of idolatries, errors, and abominations, which was the condition of the world at the time the incarnate word came, to save the human race. This concludes our reading today for day number 305. We have been reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 13, Paragraphs 232 to 239. Our Lady always had this great ability to see the needs of others. It's scriptural. It's from the wedding feast at Cana. She readily saw that wine was running short and then she did something about it. And it seems in our reading from Maria Vagrida that God continually allowed her to see things. Now, more often than not, these were through visions, that she had visions in which she saw the different things that were to come to the apostles. 
But because she saw that, she then could already be interceding for them, just as she interceded for that couple at Cana in Galilee. And so today we can ask Our Lady, Mary, see the needs of my life, not only today, but my future needs. And please pray for me now. Pray for me in this moment, even for the future. I also thought it was very touching in our reading that the apostles are going to some of the very important places in the life of Jesus. It's a pilgrimage. Just like we make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, well, they're going to these holy spots. They're touching them. They're venerating them, just as we do. And they go to remind themselves of this story, to draw strength from Almighty God for what it is that they are going to be undertaking. And then Mary gives them a little cross, and they carry that with them. A reminder that Jesus told them that they must pick up their cross and follow after him. Perhaps a reminder of repentance that most of them were not at the foot of the cross. A reminder that they have to proclaim Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins and the salvation of the world. That little cross became a treasure for each of the apostles. Then Our Lady gave them relics. And this was something that was in the Christmas special with the Chosen, that Mary had that swaddling cloth. And here she's taken pieces of that swaddling cloth. She still has it in its totality, but taking a little bit, giving it to each one of the apostles, giving a crown of thorn, giving these little mementos, these holy treasures, if you will, that they will use and keep near them, and that Christ's presence will be felt so closely to them. Now, I'll tell you, as I read today, and I was reading about the angels transporting the apostles to different countries to preach the gospel, my immediate thought was, that's craziness. This might be one thing that Maria of Agreda writes that I just think is completely absurd. But then she goes on to give us biblical citations that there is a precedence for this. Habakkuk to Babylon, Philip from Gaza to Azotus, as related by St. Luke. And well, then it didn't seem so crazy. Could you imagine being one of the apostles and somehow floating through the air? However it is, they're transported. Maybe it was an act of bilocation. I have no idea, but something to marvel at. The wonders of God. And really it goes back to that phrase from Luke's gospel, nothing is impossible for God. Well, nothing is impossible for God. Isn't that true? The very fact that people can be transported in space and time to another place and time is something that we can't even imagine. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.